title of this message is The Gift of Mercy. I think we realize that most people in the body of Christ don't have a leading role. They, they have a supporting role. But nevertheless, all Christians are called to serve and support the church. And the best way that you can do that is through the exercise of your spiritual gifts. When one Christian fails to exercise their spiritual gift or gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit of God has bestowed upon them, the church is weaker to some degree. Now, the weakness may not be be noticeable when it's just one person or two or three, but when many Christians in a church fail to use their gifts, it becomes very noticeable because the weight of the ministry is not equally distributed and the church is not edified. So the gift of mercy is the seventh and the last of the spiritual gifts that Paul mentions in Romans 12. And uh, Paul used the word mercy 12 times in the book of Romans, which we have been studying. He used the word mercies once. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Romans 12, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, right? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And that's, that's the challenge of life in this world. When exercised, the gift of mercy models the character of God who is merciful. Psalm 136 begins with the statement, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And altogether, that, that line is repeated 26 times in 26 verses in that psalm. Mercy indicates a compassionate and forgiving character and attitude. The, the Old Testament Hebrew word means to bestow, to be gracious or considerate. And it is often translated in the scriptures as uh, loving kindness. The, the Hebrew word is he said. I'll give you an example from Nehemiah 9.30. Many years did thou forbear them. Nehemiah's prayer is a great prayer. In Nehemiah chapter 9. And he's thinking back to all Israel. All that they had done and yet God had not forsaken them. And he said many years didst thou forbear them. And testified against them by the spirit in the prophets. Yet they would not give ear. Therefore thou gave them into the hand of the people of the lands. Look at verse 31 though. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. And aren't you glad for that? He is gracious and merciful. His mercies, the Bible says, and lamentations are new every morning. But, but Nehemiah 9.30 began, Many years did thou forbear them, or were patient with them. So mercy, the mercy of God, involves at times the forbearance of sin, which means that God does not immediately give what sinners deserve. And what do sinners deserve? They deserve judgment. The American Heritage Dictionary says, Forbearance is tolerance and restraint in the face of provocation. It's patience. I think of Second Peter chapter three, verse sixteen says, "The Lord is not what slack concerning his 
promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. There's your forbearance toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Back in our study of Romans 9, I mentioned that God is, is more inclined to mercy than to wrath. And there's a couple of scriptures that bear this out. James 2.13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. I pray God we're merciful people, right? We don't want to be in that category. And mercy rejoices, or as some translations have it, mercy triumphs over judgment. The, the scripture that I brought to you back then was Isaiah 28, 21. For the Lord will rise up as in Mount Perizim. He will be wroth, there's the anger, as in Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Alexander McLaren, the commentator, he said this concerning that verse, the text declares judgment to be an anomaly out of his ordinary course of action and foreign to his nature. The work in which God delights is the utterance of his love in blessing. He, he, he delights in mercy over judgment. Micah 7.18 says, Who is God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever because he what? He delights in mercy. So, so it pleases God. Mercy pleases God. And when we are merciful, we please God by our acts of mercy. But I pointed this out to you as well, especially in our study so far uh, on forgiveness, that receiving God's salvation mercy, which is the forgiveness of sins, is conditional. It's not unconditional. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and he has will to show mercy to those who repent of their sin. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covers his sin, what does that mean, to cover? It's like to put a blanket over it, to hide it. In, in context here, it means not to admit one's sins. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. So confession there is, is agreement with God. It's, it's saying the same thing as God is saying about your sins. And you admit that, and you say guilty, and you seek forgiveness. Jeremiah 18.7 says, At what time or instant I will speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up and to pull down, and to destroy it. Sin is worthy of judgment. If that nation whom I have pronounced judgment on turns from their evil, that's the condition. If they will turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought or intended to do unto them. So there you have the conditions. Why did the publican in the parable Jesus told receive mercy? And the Pharisee didn't remember the Pharisee thought that he was outstanding. He had done all these good things faithfully. And what did the publican say? God be what? Merciful to me, a sinner. Why did he 
receive mercy and the Pharisee didn't because he humbled himself. He humbled. He went away justified, the Bible says. Why did the thief on the cross receive mercy and the other blaspheming thief didn't? Because he confessed Christ. Remember what he said to Jesus? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all. What did Jesus say? I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. He was forgiven just by looking to the Lord in in, in his dying moments. Jonah preached judgment upon Nineveh. The certain judgment of God was coming unless Nineveh repented, which they did. Remember, the Bible says in Jonah 3 that Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and he comes in as the prophet of God, the reluctant prophet of God. And he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You have 40 days to turn from your sin. And then the text says that the people of Nineveh believed God and they they believed the word of Jonah concerning the judgment of God that was to fall. They proclaimed the fast. They put on sackcloth, the Bible says, from the greatest of them, that would be the king, even to the least of them, right down down the line to the servants. Everybody repented. A remarkable thing. Nineveh was a very wicked nation. And Wednesday night, I read that scripture, we're to pray for kings and those those who are on authority. And I said, sometimes that's hard to do, you know, because we can't picture somebody like... uh, our current president repenting. And yet in the, in the history of the church, I pointed out there have been many evil rulers who repented and turned from their ways. So what about you? What about you? I don't know everyone's heart condition here. Ha, have you received the, the mercy of God personally in salvation? You can. Isaiah 55 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Right? Call upon him while he is near. No one knows what the next moment of their life will bring. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return, there's your conversion, unto the Lord. And what will God do in response to that? And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon he will abundantly pardon as far as the east is from the west so far will he remove your transgressions to be remembered against you no more buried in the depths of the sea cast behind his back that's the mercy of god so the publican the thief and the ninevite are references to god's saving acts of mercy however we also know that god can show mercy unconditionally And he does it in many ways if he so desires to fulfill his will. Let me give you an example from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, you have heard that it has been said you shall love your neighbor and And hate your enemy. I mean, that is the natural reaction of, of, of men who don't know the grace of God in their own life. But Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Hard thing to do. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them who hate you. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. 
Now, I don't know how many of us are in that category where our enemies are actually persecuting us. But Jesus says we're to love them. We're to bless them. We're to do good for them, to them. We're to pray for them. That you may be the children of your Father is, who is in heaven because he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's, that's the common grace of God. Many people, they don't even think about that. They just take those things for granted until they're taken away from them. And then Jesus went on in Matthew 5, verse 46. He says, For if you love them who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans do the same thing? Yeah, people love people who are good to them, who are kind to them. And if you salute your brethren only, you greet them, what do you more than others? That's, that's normal. That's customary. The publicans even do that, Jesus says. So you can see from here and from the parallel passage to some extent in, in Luke chapter 6 that God commands all Christians to show mercy. Every one of us. You may not have the gift of mercy as some do, but you are to show mercy. Now, mercy is not my spiritual gift. Don't agree with that. <laughs> but it's not my... But I've done acts of mercy, and I'm not bragging about myself because I know you have too. I mean, you've ever been moved by somebody? Now, today, there's people all over the place just looking, holding signs, looking for food, and, you know, you, you have to watch out for that and be discriminating. But I can remember one time I went to a 7-Eleven. It was early in the morning, and it was very cold. It was after a night of rain. And I had this nice jacket on. It was, it wasn't, it was like a, one of those heavy shirts with fleece inside it. And I went and got my coffee, and I came out. And there was this guy outside with no coat. And he was shivering and shaking to death. And I got this impulse, give him your coat. And I said, no, <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> I mean, do I have a, a used one in the car somewhere? So I was going to walk away, but I just thought again, give him your coat. So I took my coat off and I went over to him. I said, sir, would you like this? And man, he just took that and he put it on. And he, I could, you could just see, you know, he didn't, he didn't even say thank you. But you could see a change in his countenance. So sometimes when those things happen, we just do it, right? You've all done it. You've all been moved in some way. So Jesus says in Luke 6.33, if you do good to them who do good to you, what thanks do you get for that? Sinners do the same. If you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, and we all do, right? What thanks do you have for that? Sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. So you'll probably get something back in interest. But love your enemies, he says, and do good and lend. This is the hard part. Hoping for nothing again. Lend without even thinking that you're going to get it back. If there is a true need that somebody has. And your reward will be great. And you will be the children of the highest. For he is kind, this is God, to the unthankful and to the evil. And they don't even think about God. And the Bible says he's kind to them. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also 
is merciful. So there's the command. All of us are to be merciful. And, and Christians more so than anybody because we have been recipients of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies. He's the Father of mercies. And He's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So when you show mercy to people who truly need it, you do provide great comfort to them. And God says, because we have been this recipients of comfort and mercy from the God of all mercies, we are to be the most merciful people that there are. You know that there is a saying that goes, misery is the object of mercy. You see somebody who's really in a miserable condition. Well, those are the people who are objects of mercy. And people with the gift of mercy are attracted to people in misery. What does Galatians 6 tell us? Paul says, don't be weary in what? Well-doing for inducent reason you will what? You will reap if you don't faint. So keep doing good. Even if it doesn't come back right away to you. Don't look for that. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. And then he says, as you have therefore opportunity, let us do good to how many men? To all men, especially those of the household of faith. So there you have a clear teaching that although the household of faith is the priority of believers when it comes to works of mercy and benevolence, we can and should go outside the household of faith to unbelievers and show mercy. But you need to exercise discernment when doing that. I'll touch on that a little bit later on. Mercy is more than pity. You have to make the distinction. A lot of times people, you know, could feel, wow, you know, he's in dire condition. But mercy is more than just a show of a feeling of pity. It is doing something. When it is within your power to do it, to your neighbor, as we'll see in that parable in Luke 10. Who's your neighbor? Somebody who is in need, and you have the ability to be able to meet that need. James 1.27, pure religion. What does that mean? Religious worship. You call yourself a religious person, a pious person? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. How many do that? And to keep yourself unspotted before the world. So God's concerned about the fatherless. God is concerned about the widows. I, I was just reading a little missionary magazine about Japan and, and how there's a very hard country to, to share the gospel in. But I read about these one Christian couple. They found a way to penetrate and to, to touch hearts in Japan. And you know how they did it? they adopted a severely handicapped little boy, Japanese boy. And I learned from that article that the orphanages in Japan are filled with children that people don't want. And, and, and then those children go on from younger orphanages. As they get older, they outgrow them. They put them in institutional or, orphanages. And nobody shows any love to them. So this missionary decided, we're going to adopt one of these little severely handicapped 
boys. And, and people just were amazed and touched by that. And it was, a, it was a, an avenue for the gospel. So just as I noted last week, that when it comes to humility, Jesus is our example with mercy, right? I, I was tempted last week to ask how many of you think you have the gift of humility, but I was afraid somebody put their hand up. <laughs> so, so I didn't do that. But I do, I do believe there are some people here who have the gift of mercy. I've seen it. But Jesus set the example of showing mercy. We know from his study of his short, short life, three years, he, he had great compassion and mercy on people. He had, he had compassion and mercy on people with great physical needs, with, with great spiritual needs, people even possessed by demons. And the Bible says this short testimony of Jesus, he went about doing good. He went about doing good, loving people. Showing mercy toward people. The story, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, there came a leper to him, beseeching him. I can't think of any worse condition than to be a leper in that day. And kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you will, you can make me clean. That's faith. And Jesus, what does it say? Moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And said unto him, I will be thou clean. And he was. In Mark 5.18, when he was coming to his ship, this is, this is the, one of the demoniacs in, in the Gadarenes, the region of the Gadarenes who had been healed by Jesus of demonic possession. It says, and when he, when he came into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him, it means he beseeched Jesus, that he might be with him, that he might become one of his disciples and stay with him. But the Bible says in five, Mark 5.19, however, Jesus suffered him not. He didn't permit him to do that. But what did he tell them to do? Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had what? Mercy on thee. He is a God of mercy. Jesus was full of mercy. We sing that song, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song? When, when nobody can say anything to you that will alleviate the sorrow of your heart? When the burdens press and the cares distress as the days grow weary and long? The answer is, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief because he is a God a savior of mercy and compassion. Well, there's mercy also as a spiritual gift. We're all called to show mercy to people, but some people have the spiritual gift of mercy. They're touched by the grief of others in a way that you may be not. So Romans 12, 8 says, He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. So if you're going to show mercy, he says, do it in a, a triv, cheerful way. It, it, it really means hilarity or joy. Do it with great joy. And I've found that people who do have mercy uh, on others, they have the spiritual gift of mercy. I mean, what would be you know, going out of the way for me or difficult for me? It's not a problem for them. 
It's a joy for them to do it. The word meaning, the word means uh, to feel sympathy, L-A-L-O, sympathy with the misery of another and to respond with compassion. So again, it's more than just a feeling of pity. It's actually doing something. In Vine's New Testament dictionary, it, says to, it means to show kindness by, by assistance, by beneficence, by doing something for the benefit of somebody who really needs it. That's mercy. Leslie Flynn says, the gift of showing mercy is the spirit-guided ability to manifest practical, compassionate, cheerful love towards suffering members of the body of Christ. And as I said earlier, according to Galatians 6, outside the body of Christ, to all men. Charles Stanley said, those with the gift of mercy desire to alleviate hurt in others. They truly feel their their, their pain. And through their actions, they want to show something, show something, share something, say something to provide support, help, and relief to those who are struggling. And it's more than just saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you, right? We'll see that people with the gift of mercy recognize people who have a great need, who are in great distress. They can see things that other people can't see. And when possible, They are moved to help them. So the gift of mercy involves sharing as much as caring. James 2.15 says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, now that's a dire condition. We'd all agree with that. And one of you says unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Brother, I'll pray for you, right? Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which you presumably have enough to give, which are needful to the body to meet their needs, how have you profited them? You haven't. You have not profited them. Now, before we finish, I'm going to look at Luke 10, that parable again briefly. But before we do that, I just want to point out a couple of things to watch for. Watch out for if you have the gift of mercy. And I think you have these on the notes. A person with the gift of mercy may fail to confront sin biblically and thereby enable the sinner to continue in their sin rather than face the consequences of their sin which can lead to repentance. So they must practice at times tough love. The way of the transgressor is what, the Bible says, is hard. Sin brings what? Grief, it does bring misery. So you have to be discerning. And you're just trying to alleviate somebody's circumstance when actually God is dealing with them in their sin. This could even be true of a Christian. Secondly, a person with the gift of mercy can fail to be a good steward of their time and other resources. And this, you know, if you have the gift of mercy, just the, just the same is true if you are a giving person. People with great needs can become a real drain on you if you allow them. I mean, I've had some people here a long time ago who, you know, would expect everything and would call me incessantly to, to you know, can I do something for them? Can, can anybody in the church do for something for them? It was like never ending. And if, and if you allow that to go on, you know, it will drain you. So you have to set limits. 
You can't meet everybody's needs, right? You can't. A person with the gift of mercy can become overcritical of those who do not have the gift. Now, this could be true with other gifts as well, right? I mean, this is your prominent gift, your spiritual gift. God's given it to you. It's not in and of yourself. And you may think everybody else should respond just the same way. And that's not the case. So they can confuse the general command to show mercy given to all Christians with the spiritual gift of mercy and people who have the gift of mercy. I, I remember one time, you know, and again, being discriminating, I, I had somebody call me and they, were, they called me from a Walmart. You know, and a, and a woman was there with her children and she was begging for food and all of these things. And, and she said, Pastor, we got to do something. I said, I don't have to do anything, you know. I mean, I don't know the circumstances or whatever it is. But she was really, really, you know, we got to do something. This family is thing. And, you know, and it turned out, you know, well, like the case with so many of these people, children are used as props, and uh, they'll just move somewhere else. I've seen it. So, so you need to be careful, you know. A person with the gift of mercy can overfocus on physical and material needs in people's lives and ignore the spiritual needs of the people they minister to. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes you you have to do more than give sinners food for their belly, or like Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, all she did was give sinners a warm bed to die in. No gospel, because she didn't know the gospel. But if you're going to show somebody an act of mercy, accompany it with the gospel. Right? And then I put a person with a gift of mercy, and I already mentioned this, if you allow people to drain you, can become burned out by overextending themselves. Again, you can't meet everybody's needs. It's impossible. So you have to use spirit-led discernment. People will take advantage of you. They take advantage of people who are generous. They take advantage of people who are compassionate. They take advantage of people who are merciful. And they take example or advantage of people who are, are loving. I also will say this, especially to women who, who typically are more merciful than men. It's not that men don't have the gift of mercy. I've known some. But I think it's the nurturing you know, part of a mother you know, and a woman. Uh, they, they're typically more merciful but don't go giving things to people, especially men. And they, they might misconstrue your charity. You have to be real careful about that. If you're going to extend yourself to someone because there's a, God put it, put it upon your heart, do it through an intermediary, you know, if you're a woman. Don't do it directly. You know, let your husband or somebody else give the gift or do something for that so that your intentions cannot be mistaken. Well... The best example that we have in the Bible of mercy is the story that Jesus told of the, of the Good Samaritan. And that's why we have Samaritan ministries. That's why we have Samaritan's purse. That's why we have Samaritan's life insurance. That's why we have Samaritan hospital. And on and on and on. You know, they're, they're trying to model that. So let's just conclude there in Luke chapter 10. Just a wonderful story.
It says in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Now, the lawyers weren't like lawyers we have today. They, were the, they would interpret the law. But it's interesting, they tested, he tested him. You know, you probably can think back to your school days, and, and you had a student in a class like that, right? There always seems to be one student who's always trying to test the teacher, right? Well, this is this man here. He tested him, saying, what do I have to do to uh, inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know, you're the, you're the expert in the law. <laughs> you tell me what is written in the law. What is your reading of it? Your understanding. And, you know, he answered and he said, love God with your whole heart, soul, strength, with your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. A, right? Gets an A for the answer. And Jesus said, you've, you've answered rightly. You know what to do. Now go do it. Go do it. Do this and you will live. Now good works is never the way of eternal life. But the Lord knew this man's heart. He wasn't doing these things. Then answered Jesus answered and said to him, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the road there was just notorious for bandits, highway robberies. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So the man is in a miserable condition. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, you know, someone whom it was expected to show mercy. When he saw him, he passed by the other side. Oh yeah, maybe he had more pressing things to do. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. You know, just think of how many times you see people who are really been, maybe they've been beaten up or whatever it is, and you have passerbys just look and nobody lifts a hand. It's, it happens all the time. I hope you wouldn't be like that. I know you wouldn't. He looked and he passed by on the other side. But a, a Samaritan, a half-breed, one the Jews despised, but Jesus didn't. Think of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, and the idea there is really beheld him, he really looked at him, he saw the condition that this man was in, he was helpless, he could have died, he had compassion. He had compassion. So he went to him and he, he bandaged his wounds as best as he could, poured on oil and wine, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Continued to mend his wounds. And on the next day when he had to leave, departed, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of them, of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. That's going beyond what anybody would expect somebody to do in such a situation like that. So then Jesus says, So which of these three, and this is a no-brainer type of a question, right? Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the one who fell 
among thieves. Because this whole thing focused on who is my neighbor. And this is not just talking about the person across your street or the person next door. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So your neighbor, my neighbor, according to Jesus, is anyone who is in a really bad place in life and you have the capacity to do something and to alleviate the burden for them to some extent that's your neighbor we have neighbors in this community as a church to think of missionaries how many times for the sake of preaching the gospel to people they meet material needs of people And that could be taken advantage of and they have to be careful, right? But they do. How about physical needs? They're not doctors, they're not nurses, but many times they they have to step into that capacity and provide to the extent that they can help, relief for their bodies. It's all part of being a Christian. Again, with discrimination. Micah 6-7, I'll close with this. Will the Lord be pleased... With thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my for, for transgression, for the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is really, really embodies what a Christian should be doing. We should be, we should be showing people God's justice and treating them just and right. We should be merciful because God is a God of mercy. And we should all walk humbly with our God, realizing that sometimes but by the grace of God, there go I, right? People who fall into sin, I said, you don't want to be quick to alleviate their sin. But when people are in really bad condition because of their sin, there's a tremendous opportunity to talk to them about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they might despise it. They might reject it. But it presents a great opportunity for them to think about their present condition and what led to their present condition. And if they don't turn to Christ to receive forgiveness, their eternal condition will be much worse. So while you have time, as Jesus said, occupy, right? Redeem the time for the days are evil. We have many, many opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ to people. People we don't know, people that we do know. So, Father, I thank you this morning for this message. It's simple. It's not hard to understand. We're to show mercy to people. And I thank you, God, for those people in the body of Christ who have this gift of mercy. They're they're touched, just as Jesus was, with the feelings of the infirmities, the weaknesses, the needs of people. I think, thank you, Lord, for many in the medical profession who have that 
desire to alleviate suffering and they're not just in it for money. But Lord, we all can, can put this lesson into practice in some way in our life. Help us to do that, to do it in the right way, in a way that will glorify Christ. And Father, I pray that as we gather outside now and enjoy some good food and fellowship, Lord, we're thankful that you have provided the hands to prepare this food and set things up and the food itself, Lord. And I pray, God, that we will just just be blessed this day and and, uh, tomorrow and every day, blessed and thankful knowing that you have been so merciful to us and you continue to show your loving kindness to us every day in many, many ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.